Hello everybody and welcome back to Discerning Consciousness. I'm your host and once again for today's show I'm joined by my co-host Mike. Hello Mike. Hi Anthony. That's good for you to good of you to be here for today's episode. So in today's episode um, we are going to return to the issue of uh, the dreaded coronavirus pandemic. Um, in the last episode we um, deviated slightly Mike in that we um, spoke about V for Vendetta, the film V for Den Vendetta. Although, of course, we did relate it to, to the coronavirus. Hard not to at the moment, yeah, is it? Yeah, so that was an interesting discussion. So on today's uh, episode, um, what we are going to look at is uh, in terms of how you can prepare for um, the future, for the next six months, really. So what's likely um, to happen with regards to um, the coronavirus? So... Essentially, this episode breaks down into two parts. Uh, in the first uh, part of the episode, we're going to look at a likely timeline of events um, in terms of um, the United, um, get it right, the United Kingdom. I was going to say <laughs> United States. Let's forget what country we live in, Mike. As much as I'd like to live in the United States, I at the moment. Well, not at the moment. <laughs> well, I am still in the UK. Um, so that will be the first part, as I say, looking at timeline of likely events. And in the second part, we'll we'll look at some of the ways in which you can prepare for these events that are likely to happen. Um, because um, you don't want to be in a, a situation six months down the line and think, damn it, I wish I'd done that. Because quite often, Mike, I think you'll agree, it can be only kind of small measures that you need to take that can make a big change. Yeah, nothing too drastic. Just um, a little bit of preparedness um, for worst case scenarios, really. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I think you'll also agree, Mike, is we're not spreading fear here in terms of what we think the events might be. It's just based on what's happened in the previous six months. This is how we think um, the playbook, if you like, that they're likely to run with. Yeah. So um, if you do get um, scared for anything we say, I mean, fingers crossed, none of this actually does happen. Yeah, we're looking but... at a sort of. How you can prepare yourself for a worst case scenario. Yeah, this is the whole just in case. Yeah, so simple steps to protect, uh, to protect yourself um, based on this kind of future timeline. So I think we'll get stuck in uh, with the episode now, Mike. So let's just uh, bring our listeners up to speed with what's currently happening here in the UK. Got it right that time. Well, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> so really, sort of July and August has been quite a quiet period on the COVID front. Um, we've had the um, the uh, imposition of mandatory mask wearing in in shops, not not all public places as at, at the moment. And also we had the introduction of uh, mandatory mask wearing on public transport. We've still got a few regional lockdowns. We've got one in Leicester, which is being slightly uh, released, um, lessened. And we've got a, um, a kind of lockdown in the northwest around about Preston and parts of Manchester, suburban Manchester. That's still in place. And also today we heard the news uh, on the mainstream news that 100,000 people have put themselves forward to do vaccine trials, which was really quite shocking. Yeah, considering that they normally only go to human tests in vaccine trials on their later stages. Yeah, sure. Um, and apparently they've only been working on this for the last, what, six months? Yeah, I mean, it's normally, is it anything up to about three to five years that a vaccine... Uh, the testing period. Yeah, so the fact that 100,000 people want to jump at the idea of um, being trialled a revolutionary new vaccine, which, mm. to be honest, we don't really need. No. No, yeah, the, the ultimate worry. vaccine is our own healthy immune system. Which, yeah. 
you know, as as many people have um, said from from the outset. So I think you'll agree. We both agree that this is a a temporary kind of lull. Would you say? Yeah. So I'm um, coming out of the the lockdown. Mm. Um, we're basically well, I say basically back to normal. Things are still weird. Everything in pubs and the shops. The fact terms of social distancing. Yeah, the fact that they still want you to wear masks. Um, it is a lull, but they're still keeping the pressure on. If you know mm. what I mean. Yeah. But um, it's where things are going to go next that would be quite more interesting, especially yeah. with the fact that, um, especially all the rhetoric and talk about the return, um, everyone returning to school. Yeah, so just for our non-UK-based listeners, the start of school term in the UK traditionally is the beginning of September. So at the moment, the plan is for all students to return. Uh, there's still no real agreement, it seems, um, in terms of how that'll look, whether it'll be a stage return mic, um, whether there'll be, um, what do they call, social bubbles, so students will only mix in between lessons with perhaps those fellow students or pupils in that class, so they won't be able to meet up with friends or buddies from other classes. That's still not been agreed, has it? We, we don't, don't quite know. know. It just sounds ridiculous. I know, I know all of these phrases, these Orwellian phrases like social bubble. Anyway, the reason why we're talking about uh, the return to school is we feel here at Discerning Consciousness uh, in terms of the UK timeline, this is going to be really important because once the children um, return to, to school, the government are going to push this whole idea that there's been a spike in cases because what you're likely to also have is students, pupils being tested, Mike, and also staff being tested. So yeah. this whole idea of a spike in cases leading to a second wave or the second lockdown is likely to be with the context of schools returning. Yeah, I reckon so. Um, just because that's the most effective way to, to spread things. Um, and to stoke is, fear. Is with the children because they have no concept in keeping clean and tidy. No. You know, they've got no issues with touching dirt and then eating some food. Sure. Even though, of course, um, government scientists, I say that advisedly, government scientists have said on numerous occasions, Mike, that spread um, the spread amongst uh, younger people is extremely low. But the interesting thing is that um, not only with the return to schools, um, there will be the return to unis not long after. Sure, sure. And generally where you go to uni somewhere different, mm. you meet a lot of people from different areas with different, different, um, slightly different germs, essentially. Yeah. Um, you normally get what's known as freshers flu. Yeah. Now, I very much bet that they'll be clubbed in with all the kind of like coronavirus sure. um, results. Yeah. And they'll be like, see, look, the second wave, people are getting ill. And, sure. yeah. and so we kind of like reckon that, that mid-September going into mid-October time, that's when they'll point out that the second wave is getting too bad. We've got to go into a second lockdown, possibly. Sure. And that's where things can start getting bad. Mm, yeah, so we're we're looking at a time frame. I think you agree, Mike, between September, middle of September and middle of October, where in the UK at least they'll probably push for a second lockdown. I reckon they'll going to be talk about it around that period. Just like you're saying, the more testing, more yeah. people that will have it, especially with everyone like coming back to school and trying to get back to normal. Sure, it's just going to have that increased. Yeah, and then something else. Um, that they're talking about introducing, I've seen a few articles this week, is something called a digital COVID passport. I'm not quite sure I've got the word in, but you understand what that means. 
Um, so alongside the second wave, so around about, as we said, um, middle of September to second of October, um, probably towards the end of that period, around about October, uh, we think that the likelihood is that they'll try and begin the process, begin the process, we think, of introducing this digital COVID passport. So I'll just talk a little bit in terms of what I know, what that is for yeah. our listeners, Mike. So that will involve, well, you'll have an app on your phone. And what they're proposing is there's going to be a system of perhaps weekly testing. So a, quite a vigorous testing program. And people, obviously, they'll either test positive or negative. And we all know the vagaries around testing. We won't go into, uh, into that for the moment, Mike. But basically what they'll have is on public buildings or shops or leisure centres or swimming pools, wherever you go, access to that building will be based on this app. And um, at the entry point to the building, there'll be a QR code and you'll scan the QR code with your phone. Now, obviously, you will only be able to gain access to that building or wherever it is if you have uh, have had a negative test. So how we see it, and I think Mike agrees with me for the benefit of our listeners, this whole idea of opening up society, lessening social distancing measures and maybe mask wearers will be based on this digital COVID passport, which will be based around an app on the phone. And we think, as I say, towards the end of October, well, this October, will, November, time. October, November time, this is what they'll begin to introduce. But it will be done in terms of actually this is how we get back to some sense of normal or some sense of freedom how do you see that yeah so um especially going into october november period um everyone being in a second lockdown mm. not only that um you've got to remember that thousands well millions of people would have lost their jobs the yeah. furlough scheme would have ended by then coming um, towards the, the end the end of october yeah so everyone's starting to worry about money especially on the run-up to christmas sure this is going to be their play of like, look, if you want to enjoy your Christmas, if you want to go to that um Christmas market and have if a beer with your friends. If you want to travel to your friends across the country and your family. Yeah, you, you've got to get this passport. You've got to be tracked. Mm. We don't have the vaccine ready yet. So, mm. you know, we've got to do this. Um, and this is the second lockdown. So we've got to do it seriously. We can't play around what we did first time around. Yeah, because we can't, we can't afford, the economy can't afford a third lockdown because that would just literally wipe so many companies out so we've got to get it right and that means having the the digital covid passport so would you agree mike that as i alluded to a little bit part of this is conditioning people to use this system which will obviously be used for when if there is when and if a vaccine is introduced yeah i mean i reckon the vaccine will be tied in with the digital passport when it sure. is but we're not talking until about most probably um next year now yeah i agree i would say the earliest will be next spring so but when it is introduced it will be tied to the digital passport and then it's like see you got the vaccine you can travel around now and and that will probably give you greater access yeah and the other thing of course is um perhaps what i'd lost sight of and perhaps some of our listeners had how they can begin to move towards locking people out of everyday societal norms you know just going to the pub or going to the restaurant or going to your your uh, leisure center or swimming pool they can lock you out even before the vaccines introduced just based on testing regimes that's the scary yeah thing, they could it? be like right you've tested positive you've yeah. got a quarantine now for yeah. 14 days sure yeah um that's it you could be locked out of everywhere yeah so just moving on quickly because obviously in the second part we want to leave time to how people can prepare the kind of positive stuff for our listeners 
Um, we what we were talking about is, and it's been discussed. Uh, I've seen it a lot with regards, Mike, to um, YouTube um, channels that I watch based in the states, and they're talking about how there's already been huge disruptions to the supply line. We've had meat factories closed due to COVID cases, yeah. and there's also um, various states in America whereby they are stockpiling food. So food that would otherwise be in the food chain, if you want, in yeah. the supply line, is now sitting in warehouses because they're being told to prepare for future events. We've also had in the Midwest, I think recently, huge storms. I know in Idaho, where corn crops been dis destroyed and grain silos have been destroyed. So obviously already there's this idea of a future uh, food shortages or a food crisis. Now, we know, um, obviously, if that's going to happen, likely to happen in America, then it's likely to happen here. We've seen recently where um, food uh, distribution centres have closed in the UK because of COVID cases, albeit temporarily. We had a, a food supplier in the last few days that supplies most of the mainstream, most of, sorry, most of the main supermarkets, which has closed. So a lot of these um, COVID cases, coincidentally, Mike, outbreaks seem to be centering on food places yeah. isn't that weird it seems Sorry like uh, they're definitely um targeting yeah it's, there, doesn't it's it? very intelligent the <laughs> coronavirus isn't yeah it? i know right it's amazing. it doesn't attack you in the shops no it doesn't no but it can get you on the beach and it waits for certain dates as well it's, it's, oh yeah it's tuesday quite, death rate <laughs> yeah it's quite incredible anyway back to the idea of future shortages in the uk context we think that's likely to take place during the second lockdown when people are really fully immersed. So around about November time. Um, so do you think it's likely to be like a contrived shortage just to take that control of the population? Because then the government could go for things like um, controlling the food supply. What's that word that I'm escaping now uh, that we had in the Second World War? What's it um, called? Oh, rationing. Rationing. Thank you, Mike. Yeah. yeah, so we think that it would be a contrived thing, don't we? Um, well, it's a multi-pronged situation yeah. in the fact that, um, so any distribution, any disruption to the distribution of food yeah. um, can have knock-on consequences um, yeah. in the fact that kind of like even to ramp up to normal kind of like production levels sure. takes... Um, facilities time to get sure, up to that of course it does, yeah. um and not only that that we're already now in a recession sure. due to the first lockdown yeah and all the economic fallout from that if we go into a second lockdown in what's meant to be the busiest spending period for the run-up to christmas yeah. yeah that's where retailers traditionally would make all of their money of course well in, a large percentage yeah. yeah i mean and if that's disrupted because of a second lockdown mm. We've got chances of seeing um, us slipping into a, a depression mm. and actually the destruction of the high street. Mm. So as soon as you've got a destruction of the high street, um, economic problems, mm. you'll notice that suddenly the, the the price of food will go up naturally from, from just that. Mm. And then if there's a limited supply, it will go up again because yeah, of that. Yeah, I agree. It's likely that we'll see... Um seen food massive food inflation in terms of prices and important again uh, for our listeners to add at this point mike and i we we're not like sitting on the sidelines willing the worst case scenario because both of us quite like to go to the supermarket when the shelves are full yeah <laughs> and you know i don't have weaponry not that i would use it so if someone came 
to, to my home and started, you know, wanted to take my food supply, I'd have got, I've got no means of protecting it. So we're, we're saying this based on a worst case scenario and really based on previous six months events. Yeah, know? yeah. I mean, there's been reports about disruption in the food supply um, for a while within mm. the news. It's just they don't focus on it because that's not coronavirus. Yeah, so we feel it would be irresponsible to just say, well, um, based on based on you know the stories that are coming out and facts actually the next six months look really positive i don't think that would be an honest way of um you know basically communicating to our listeners for one of a better phrase yeah i was gonna say all of this like anthony was saying is a mm. worst case scenario i mean i've got a personal hopes that everyone starts waking up to the covid bullshit yeah and start going well hang on none of this makes sense none of the numbers add up um why are we doing such draconian rules mm. um for something that's not even as bad as the flu mm then um, we would be like, well, actually, there's no need to go into a second lockdown. But knowing what the government's like and the fact that no one's really standing up to them when mm. it comes to this. Mm. Yeah, we're most probably going to go this way. And just lastly to add uh, on this point, Mike, is I almost feel if the government of the UK feel that more people are questioning the official narrative, they are going, hold on, there's just too many contradictions. This isn't just government... Uh, incompetence this is a deliberate manipulation of the figures yeah. uh, and you know these measures that are coming out are too extreme I almost fe think at that point that's when they are more likely to go to a second lockdown because it's like how do we get everyone on to our level of understanding it's just ramp the fear up and that's my concern and that's why we said that and the kids going back to school would yeah. be that because it's the save the children mentality sure. yeah that will really get everyone going well we've got to do it then because we've got to save the kids yeah and just lastly in terms of a timeline mike we both uh, in preparation for this recording we thought we covered something very important around about january and february we think that um that's when uh the mental health uh, fallout from COVID-19 and mental health issues around depression, anxiety, people obviously being locked up for three months in their homes effectively, sounds extreme, and also the economic consequences of, uh, of the lockdown and the potential second lockdown and the end of furlough payments, it's going to have a really uh, dramatically disastrous effect on many people's mental health. And we think around about January, February, after the Christmas period, that's when it could reach a peak. Yeah. So um, at the end of the day, this is why we wanted to tell you guys all this is not to worry like we've been saying, but to try and help you. Mm. So I think we should start getting on yeah. to some of the things that will exactly. um, help yeah, so, them through this So period. in the second part of this episode, what we're going to look at now is um, how you guys can prepare for this sort of worst case scenario. And, and none of these things, I think you'll agree, Mike, none of these measures or um, practices that people can do they really only add up to just simple things really that might have quite a dramatic positive effect yeah um you don't have to do much you don't have to build a bunker under your house <laughs> no. um you know it's nothing to like ridiculous prepper level um sure. american style stuff yeah sure so we'll just begin with like your home or your domestic realm so, so something that you can do that's very easy is when you go and if you do a weekly shop, it should just buy a few extra items, you know, of long term things like canned items or 
pasta or rice that you can store for a long time. Yeah, um, just having a bit of extra food around the house will be very handy when the cupboards are bare yeah, and, and the shelves are empty. Um, I think I've said on the previous recording, I don't mean um, to get into fear mode of I'm hoarding this food in case it all collapsed and I'll be okay, but my neighbours, you know, they might starve to death. I mean in terms of sharing with your neighbours and, and giving it away. That's what I mean. Well, not necessarily just giving it away, just mm. having it there for more people. Mm. Like if, um, you know, if a few more people, your friends or family need an extra little help, mm. it's there for them as well. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. And also in terms of the domestic realm, um, the home, the importance of having food supply. I would also say, uh, Mike, in terms of having things in case there are power outages, we forgot to mention that. Oh, yeah. True point. Yeah. In case there are power cuts uh, here in the UK and in other countries as well, have things like if, if, if it's possible to store it, you know, Caligash, you can get the small camping stove. I've got the small little ones. Yeah, but they don't take up much space no. at all. And, and they're quite cheap, actually. As and well. they can be really handy if there's no power. To the yes. House. And things like candles, um, things like gaffer tape or even um bleach paper things that we take for granted mike that we can just go out and get and i would just call them sort of um essential supplies things like band-aid things like that really that you never know that actually could prove vital well don't forget the most important essential supply yeah we already had a rush net at the beginning of the year toilet paper absolutely make sure you stock up on a little extra of that absolutely now, don't be greedy don't take <laughs> out everyone else's supplies so no one else can buy some yeah and but, also something for me who's got that sweet tooth some good quality chocolate definitely <laughs> frees up some good quality chocolate anyway something else mike that connect, connects to the domestic realm is we've seen in recent weeks and months how difficult travel is now with threats of being put into quarantine upon return or when you fly out to wherever so i would think um unless it's essential for business um, you know, or you're buying a home abroad, I would think don't plan to travel because it's just too much hassle. I mean, you know, buy plane abroad, you know, just focus on your own community and your domestic realm, because more and more, if the government begins to fail, if corporations, you know, no longer can provide for our basic needs, we are going to need to focus on our local community, aren't we, more and more? Yeah, I would go further than just saying not just the travelling, but sure. also um, if there's any unnecessary expenditure you don't need at the moment, um, cut it out of your life. Yeah. I mean, because if anything, and these uncertain times, the thing that you need most is um, liquid assets. So sure. if you don't have money to spend when you need to spend it, mm um that could be you going hungry or not mm. so your point to the fact that as as good as it might be to transfer cash into say like gold or silver sovereign coins what you're saying is in a worst case scenario of an economic collapse how useful are they to you is that what you mean yeah i mean i don't know about you but can you eat gold and can silver? You eat silver yeah i mean i'm still kind of hopeful mike in that i feel that even if there is a, a global currency reset. And we sh I shared an article uh, on one of our recordings, Mike, where the Bank of England governor said it's likely that there is going to be, within the next two years, a digital currency introduced. I think that even if there is a move towards that, and it will be a crypto type of currency, I don't think that will mean that everything will collapse. I think they'll try and segue the movement towards that. But think of 
all the times in history mm. when governments have actually sequestered gold, silver and precious metals. They have done in the past, haven't they? From the populace. They have. So, and they've made it illegal for you to hold it, haven't they? So, you know, just by actually buying gold and silver thinking, well, this will see me through, mm. it could just be taken away from you in the, anyway. So yes. it's actually better to have... Um, money in hand that you can spend when you need it doesn't have to be necessarily cash it can be in the bank um, but you just need something to, to get you by each month and it's better to have you know a bit of extra money so you can actually stock up on a bit more food mm. than it is to be like right I've got this gold coin and that will see <laughs> me through the collapse so I think by extension you'd probably agree Mike that it makes sense for our listeners as much as possible to um, to get out of debt yeah, I mean, um, depending... I know that's not always equal. I've got uh, easy, I should say. I've got fifteen thousand pounds worth of student debt, but um, luckily, um, in recent years, I've not, I've not had to pay it back because I haven't reached the income ceiling where the payments begin. But obviously, probably not a good idea to, you know, go out and buy a thirty thousand pound new car. Yeah, or... making <laughs> unnecessary purchases. Yeah, th those kind of things. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, try and avoid that as much as possible. Um, reduce the amount of debt you can, but do it sensibly. Don't overreach yourself to focus on getting rid of debt, but sure. actually you're making yourself struggle in the meantime to do it. Mm. I mean, at the end of the day, with anything with this suggestions and what's going on in the world at the moment, is just try and be as sensible and as aware as possible with mm. what you're doing. And also perhaps, um, you know, reskill yourself. So um, you can, you do know how to... Um, cure meats uh how to um you know uh store food for long term um talking you know. about that um you might as well start getting on to the fact that if you've got a garden yeah, start trying to grow your own right? food yeah exactly even if or even if you've um got a, a small uh, apartment or flat you can always use a balcony or we can always put pots in the window sill yeah yeah exactly in the in the window sill so there there are always things things that you can do and even just like um freezing things for long-term storage as well you know that that can be quite helpful as well i mean again i'll just reiterate mike uh, for our, our listeners benefit to do these things not coming from a fear vibration energy but just to do it because it's actually a sensible thing to do yeah i mean if anything start reviewing your finances and realizing well actually i don't need that expenditure i don't need that one i can cut them out of my life and i'm not sure. going to suffer um especially with the limited access we have to the world at the moment sure um i don't know have gyms started going back yet or not? yeah you can with gyms yeah but with social distancing of course. <laughs> yeah yeah so um other other than that what i think is important also just on uh tying back into the community we don't know um, what form the internet's going to take. I think we've touched upon this in the past, but it's worth reiterating. <clears throat> so we can't know that uh, social media in its current form, Mike, is going to exist in the future. So again, it's incumbent upon us to build those relationships in the flesh, so to speak, in your local community, you know, with your neighbours. I know it sounds a bit twee, but you don't know how essential that might be in future. And it doesn't just have to be with your actual neighbours. We're sure. talking about the community you're yeah. a part of, so you know, the people you interact with. Make sure you've actually, um, you know, you keep up in contact, not just on Facebook. Exactly. Um, especially the way Facebook and social media is going. Sure. The censorship is r ramping up and up and up and up and up. Um, like you've experienced recently, Anthony. Yeah. You've got a, um... I had a, a week's ban 
and now the next time I breach Facebook's um, community standards, whatever some, they may be, whatever that, well, they're set by Facebook. So if I breach those again, I'm I'm in for a thirty day ban. So you know, it's... yeah, um, it's so easily happening. We are in the cancel culture where it's like ban this, ban that. Mm. Um, so even though you you love Facebook and you always communicate on Facebook, that can be taken away from you just like that. And also, just on a kind of human level, it is good to to um, to feed into your local community in terms of your own uh, mental health and well being. And the other thing is, of course, you know there are many local community-based groups that are still operating probably with the dreaded social distancing measures but there are always things to tap into aren't there yeah definitely. wherever wherever you in the, are in the world and i know i'm going to do more of that find out what local groups there are and, and i know um they can as i said before seem a bit twee and you might think they're kind of like all just full of old people who you know who are a little bit um like like spying on people but i mean point is just check it out and see if it fits for you another important point Mike in terms of preparing because we don't know how things are going to turn out is whatever um, if you have a, a grudge with someone at the moment so a friend or a relative or even just an acquaintance I would say we're going into a time where it's a good time to heal that you know you don't yeah. want all of that because we're going to need to, if we're going into hard economic times and and hard in, you know, emotionally, psychological, you don't want um, your energy dragged down by, uh, in terms of energy that you're holding, like a negative energy towards someone, maybe like I said, an, a grievance towards someone. You want to do your best to heal that. What do you think about that, Mike? Yeah, Because we, if we're going to need to go into warrior consciousness, as uh, our resident uh, shaman Heather Heaton talks about a lot, that we need to step into our warrior consciousness through this period, you know, it's good to heal any grievances that you might have with people. Well, I was going to say, um, you can either look at this from a very spiritual or a very down-to-earth perspective. Yeah. Um, so from a spiritual sense, you've got like um, letting go of the baggage makes things lighter in your life, just easier to live. Yeah. Um, or the very down-to-earth part of it is like when times are tough, people tend to turn nasty yes yes and there is that that's a literally point. um it could be like you owe someone a fiver sure and um, that can literally turn out to be like oh my god he's gonna kill me because he sure. wants that food yeah um i hope things don't get that bad but no. all i'm saying is there's no point us chucking out more crap and shit into no. the world exactly. let's try and clean up as much as our own shit as we possibly can yeah i'm not saying it's easy but no. it's definitely something we should all be working on yeah and uh, related to this we've already seen um i've not involved been involved with any in any of these incidents nor have you mike but whereby people have been attacked for not wearing a mask we've seen videos online of this happening so this sentiment you know, and I've seen various other instances where people are just acting in ways that are really extremely aggressive towards other people. And I think that's because those that aren't uh, working on themselves, shall we say, let's not make it too grandiose, but the shadow is ramping up in everyone, yeah. individually and collectively. So Yeah, I mean, the division that it's creating yeah, with the people the who wear masks and the people that don't wear masks. Um, it is breaking out into almost all-out war in some places. Mm. Again, I don't fully understand it. I mean, I personally don't like wearing a mask, and if I don't have to, I won't. Mm. But at the same time, I don't feel the need to give anyone 
shit for wearing a mask. No, no. And no, I wouldn't no. expect anyone who's wearing a mask to give me shit no, for not wearing no, a mask. No, because that is completely uh, that is completely out of order. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it is. It is shocking to see these incidents, uh, Mike, as you said. And um, at the end of the day, you know, it comes down to a very simple thing. You don't want to be in a position where you're making enemies. And if if there are people in this life, you don't regard them as enemies. But should we say you have issues with or, you know, you keep thinking, I just really need to speak to that person because there's a miscommunication between us or, um, you know, we just need to sort things out. I think now is the time to do that. Definitely. It really is. Now is the time to do that. Right. I think uh, we'll round things up here, Mike. It's been a interesting discussion today about some of the measures that our listeners can take so do you have any closing thoughts or words of inspiration well i would say um even though our worst case scenario might have seemed a bit doom and gloom mm -hmm. and what we said to it might have seemed a bit kind of like radical to you like stocking up on food and all sure. this but let's just take the um, devil's advocate of this and nothing we said actually comes true and you've followed our advice. Are you going to feel stupid? Well, no, not really, because you've got a better stock pantry for food if you ever need it. Mm. And if anything, you've had a closer look at your finances, making sure that money that doesn't need to go out is not going out anymore. Yeah. And you're in a better financial situation. And also, just, and also you've got better relationships with your friends, family and acquaintances and, of course, your local community. So it's all, it's all basically a win-win, really. Exactly. Yeah, thank you for that, Mike. Um, lastly, for the benefit of our listeners, I'd just like to add that how I see things is it's really a bit like um, Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs. What we need to be doing at this time is focusing on the base, our base human uh, kind of physical needs do you agree Mike? yeah yeah i think that's the that should be the emphasis and like, like i just said the main point is to remember that it's better to be prepared than not prepared definitely so um i'll just um leave you now obviously with our promotional stuff so uh, i recently took part in a new uh project uh, with a youtuber called martine carlina from canada and she's drawing together various um people from across the English-speaking Commonwealth countries, and I'm the representative from the UK. So we recently did a recording nice. <laughs> on all things COVID-related. So um, it's my first appearance uh, on YouTube, in facial appearance anyway. <laughs> yeah. um, so if that's something that floats your boat, uh, our listeners, I'll uh, put a link uh, um, in the description uh, of this episode. So um, if you have enjoyed today's show, uh, it would be great if you could um, share it on all your social media platforms because that helps us here at um, Discerning Consciousness. So thank you all for listening. Hope you've enjoyed uh, today's show. And thank you, Mike, for being here once it's again. It's been great as always. Yeah. And we'll just leave you uh, with these closing uh, thoughts or words. Uh, remember, folks, if you're not in control of your consciousness, consciousness, then someone else is. Bye for now. Bye.